You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. Our great coach on this episode is the legendary Celtic football club manager, Jock Steen. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. In May 2022, my friend Nicky Monaghan took me to Glasgow to watch Celtic play Rangers. The games are referred to as Old Firm, and their rivalry is considered one of the greatest in the sporting world. Nicky had been promising to take me for years, and once the COVID restrictions finally lifted, we had our chance. In preparation, I had read the official history of Celtic by Brian Wilson, but there is little you can read on the page or watch on YouTube that prepares you for the raw spectacle and emotion of a Celtic game. I've been lucky enough to attend the Olympic Games, watch the New York Yankees at their home stadium, attend an Ashes Test match at the MCG, and experience Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena. But none of them match the energy of Celtic v Rangers at Celtic Park. Outside the entrance to the stadium are three bronze statues commemorating the people who have helped build the club into the powerhouse it is today. The first is of the founder of the club, Brother Wilfred, the next of the legendary player Jimmy Johnson, and the third is of Jock Steen. 
Jock was a Scottish football player and manager. As a player, he also represented Celtic and was part of their side that won the Scottish League and Scottish Cup double in 1954. He retired in 1957 and began his career as a coach, or as they say in football, a manager in 1960. In 1965, he returned to Celtic as manager and over 13 years led them to 10 Scottish League championships, including nine in succession, eight Scottish Cups and six Scottish League Cups. However, he is most famous as the first manager of any side from Great Britain to win the European Cup, which he did with Celtic in 1967. He then went on to manage the Scottish national team from 1978 until his death in 1985. Unfortunately, Jock Steen died on the pitch on the 10th of September 1985. Scotland were playing Wales in a World Cup qualifier and with the score locked at one all, Jock collapsed on the sidelines and was pronounced dead soon afterwards in the stadium's medical rooms. His assistant that day was Alex Ferguson, who would go on to become one of the greatest coaches the world has ever known following his 27-year stint at Manchester United. It was left to him to inform the players of Jock's passing. Years later, and the now Sir Alex Ferguson had this to say about Jock. Well, he was a, he was a down-to-earth man, and he, was, he simplified all his life. You know, the way he, he approached the Celtic job in particular. And that personality, people with personality and a, a presence can definitely fill a room. There's no question about that. And he, he would walk into a room, you could see that. Um, he was a big man, he had that personality, and he knew he knew everyone. That's what I'm saying, that ability. You know, there's something that's a great talent. Matt Busby, they say, had, had it also. He can remember play, players' names from 30 years ago. And when they bump in, they say, Hello, Tom, how are you? you know? He had a fantastic intelligence, Jock, you know, and my great, my abiding experiences of, of getting the opportunity to work with him. And I loved those when we used to meet up on a Saturday at uh, McDonald Hotel, and we'd be sitting there uh, two, three in the morning, because he wasn't a great sweeper, Jock, you know. And I say, Joke, I've got to take the train in the morning. He says, you're all right, son. Steely, the, the old Mr. Jimmy Steely says, get another pot of tea. I'd be there at four or five in the morning. Then I'm struggling in my bed, get a couple of sweep up at eight o'clock or something like that, organise the training. And Joke would walk, you know, wiving, kicking. I mean, really, he was an amazing man. He had the energy that... You know, belied his, his physique because he was, a, he was a big man, you know. There is not a lot of recorded footage of Jock, and in what there is, he does not talk a lot about himself. In fact, he's actually quoted as saying, I'd far rather talk about the players, they are the people who make things happen. And nobody wants to know what the manager is saying, the team said it all on the park. But in this podcast, I have tried to recreate an interview with Jock about his coaching and leadership style using his own words as read by an actor. I used multiple books and sources to find the words you will hear, and I've referenced all of them in the show notes. This episode was difficult to put together, but it was also a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy the end result as much as we did. Here at the Great Coaches Podcast, we're working to create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests share with us. You can help support our project 
get exclusive content and early access to the Great Coaches Collection by joining our Patreon community. All the details on how you can be part of this journey are in the show notes. And now, please enjoy our interview with the legendary Jock Steen. The Great Coaches Podcast. Jock started work, like many of the other people, from his village in Lanarkshire as a miner. And this experience gave him a deeper insight into the drivers of human behaviour and would go on to shape his more moderate views on tolerance for religious and racial differences. You go down that pit shaft, a mile underground, you can't see a thing. The guy next to you, you don't know who he is. Yet he's the best friend you'll ever have. In a time when religious sectarianism was rife, Jock took a more inclusive view. And after 66 spectators were killed, while watching his Celtic play Rangers in 1971, he had this to say. This terrible tragedy must help to curb the bigotry and bitterness of all firm matches. When human life is at stake, this kind of hatred seems sordid and little. Fans of both sides will never forget this disaster. Jock arrived to coaching at a time when coaches were dour, authoritative figures that stayed in the background. But he had different ideas and was most comfortable in a tracksuit and out on the training track with the players. He lived and breathed football and was obsessed by it in a way that shaped the energy and commitment of his team. You should be up all night thinking about this game. I'll kick every ball tonight. I'll go through it over and over again. I can see everybody's face. I can see their build. I can see the way they run. You should be the same, thinking out all the possibilities. He was also a very loyal man, and this loyalty was directed to Celtic, and most importantly, to the fans. It hasn't been the money that's got me at Celtic Park. I've done what I've done out of a kind of passion. See, Celtic have been wonderful to me. You've had the people being brought back from the dead. Well, it was Celtic that brought me back from the dead. I'm happy where I am. I like the people I work with. I like the players and the directors of this club. But most of all, I like the fans. And to see them happy makes me happy. So I'm very happy here. In fact... The fans were a key focus of his motivational efforts with the team. His messages designed to direct the team's energy towards pleasing them. You're here to entertain. There's a big crowd out there who've been working hard all week and paid a lot just to come in and see you play. Some of them have been down in mines all week. This is their only relaxation. They want to come and be entertained. You have the ability to do that, so go and give them a right good time out there. A focus on the fans and a playing style of football that would appeal to them was at the very centre of his coaching philosophy. I think it is important to win a match, but I think what's even more important is the manner in which you win. The best place to defend is in the opposition penalty box. Without fans who pay at the turnstile, football is nothing. Sometimes we are inclined to forget that. The only chance of bringing them into the stadiums is if they're entertained by what happens on the football field. But his love for the fans was not unconditional. And after a game in 1972, when the crowd had been particularly vocal with their singing of secretarian songs, he jumped into the crowd to stand up to some people. Surely there are enough Celtic songs without introducing religion or politics or anything else. But when you review what his players had to say about his philosophy, a picture emerges 
of a coach who talked tactics like few managers before him, who used the chalkboard to break down the game and one who wanted to exert control over his players' movements on the pitch. This is best illustrated by this quote from Celtic defender John Clark, who says, We never had tactic talks of any kind before. But now, here he was illustrating moves on a board, breaking a game down, showing you what you had to do over a certain area, and at the same time, analysing the opposition. But the interesting thing was that he hardly ever repeated himself. You had to watch and listen very closely to what he was saying and take it in. He explained quite simply that if you made mistakes and committed errors in a game and went against instructions, it showed you weren't interested or that you weren't thinking enough about your game and that you were no use to him. I know that sounds a bit brutal, but you had to listen carefully, follow his instructions, or else you could be in for a tough time with him. It's my view that above all else, Jock was an ardent believer in the power of teams to succeed. Cups are not won by individuals, but by men in a team who put their club before personal prestige. I'm lucky I have the players who do just that for Celtic. We like to think however we play, we are a football team, nothing more. We are a football team who will play anyone from anywhere, from any walk of life, from any religion, from any creed. That is Celtic Football Club. And when he selected players for this team, he was looking for ones that were a good fit with his team-first mentality. What makes a great player? Uh, He's the one who brings out the best in others. Jock was a new breed of manager for his times, and that he didn't direct from the sidelines. He put on his famous tracksuit and would direct training from the middle of the ground. He would be vocal the whole time, encouraging, admonishing, swearing and bantering, all the time focusing on building an intimacy with the players that he knew would help him motivate and direct them more effectively. Celtic jerseys are not for second best. They don't shrink to fit inferior players. When it came to team selection, Jock was described as ruthless. He selected the team and provided little in the way of explanations to justify it. When players did approach him with questions or feedback, he could be dismissive, and this left some angered. As Bobby Lennox said, rub this giant the wrong way and you would be demolished. That was the bottom line. Jock's mood swings were legendary. It is one of the most talked about and agreed upon features of his personality. When it came to both his athletes and then later the club stakeholders, his enigmatic temperament appears to be a key tool he used to exert power and influence. In 2008, his most famous understudy, Sir Alex Ferguson, recounted Jock saying this, There's nothing wrong with losing your temper for the right reasons. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. 
And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But if this temper was one of his hallmarks, there is a strong belief that he used it for specific reasons. As his captain, Billy McNeil, is quoted as saying, Big Jock never did anything that he hadn't planned. He never did anything on impulse. But even in the heat of losing his temper, Jock spoke with clarity, as the author Archie McPherson, who spent countless hours with Jock, recounts. Quote, He was clear. He had clarity, even when he was angry. He sometimes went over the top, but there was no dubity about him. You felt intimidated by him, but not used by him. There was that clarity of thought. End quote. It's important to understand the context around Jock's management and communication style, though. Prior to his arrival, the manager's selection decisions would often be overridden by the chairman. Jock wanted to change this paradigm, and to do this would need more control than his predecessors had enjoyed. Here he is explaining the control he had asked for and been promised when he became manager. The reason me coming here was at that particular time, I had a good offer to go to England and I discussed it with the chairman of Celtic at the time and he said out of the blue, would you like to come back? Well, I didn't think it would work because Celtic had never, well, I don't think they'd ever worked really with a manager having full say. But I was assured that I'd be given full control of the side and what I wanted to do was to prove to people that I was capable of taking full control and I came on the basis of that. The need to maintain this control might therefore explain why he was so focused on ensuring the players and staff followed his tactical decisions. In an interview years later, Sir Alex Ferguson also referenced this need to have control over the playing environment. You have to have control of all players. You can't have a situation where players are running the football club because it never works that. It's been proven many, many times. Uh, so it's a, de- it's a delicate thing for a manager to create the, the, the atmosphere of, of being in cro- control but not be seen to be a dictator, you know? Some people say that about myself, but it's only because that control is the issue and nothing else. And I think that Joe always controls his football clubs and that's important. And that's one of the reasons why he was also successful. Jock was a strict disciplinarian with his team, but at other times he would instigate team sing-alongs or join the players in the large communal baths post-game. Regardless of how hard or vindictive he could be at times, he cared deeply about his team. And as one of his past players said, quote, he knew all his players' wives and kids' names, first person to send flowers to family and hospital, end quote. Jock experienced many successes with Celtic, but the one which is most famous is the victory of his team in the 1967 European Cup, where they defeated Inter Milan and Lisbon 2-1, with a team that was all born within 30 miles of the Glasgow Stadium. On that day, one of his friends, and a great coach in his own right, Bill Shankly, was present, and after the game, he shook Jock's hand and uttered the famous line, Jock, you're immortal now. The story goes that Jock simply laughed, a look of exertion and relief on his face. Jock was a private man when it came to his life outside of football, and in turn, his wife Jean talked about the fact that he never brought his work home with him. It's as if he lived two lives in parallel to each other, 
one at home and the other at Celtic. Although it was his life at Celtic that took up a larger part of his time. He was often the first person at Celtic in the morning, opening the doors and answering the early morning phone calls if there was no one else present. So in a way, he was able to separate the two aspects of his life, but they were not in balance. Football took a disproportionately large part of his time. On the 10th of September, 1985, Scotland were playing Wales in a World Cup qualification match in Cardiff. Jock was coaching the Scottish team, and with nine minutes to go, they equalised to one all. A draw would see them secure a qualification playoff against Australia. With two minutes left to play, Jock rose to his feet from the bench where he had been sitting and then just as quickly collapsed to his knees. He was carried to the stadium's medical room. The team's medic was Professor Stuart Hillis and despite his best efforts, he was not able to revive Jock. Jock died from a fatal pulmonary edema, a fluid build-up in the lungs. He had been prescribed medication to help remove fluid from his body but he had been skipping taking it. It was left to his assistant for that game, Alex Ferguson, to inform the players. Here he is, recalling that moment. Well, we thought you were, I mean, so many stupid things about football, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I knew that, I could see there was something wrong with him, and this guy, camera guy, kept, there was a lot of wires, television wires all over the place, and this camera, camera guy kept winning down in front of us, and that became an annoyance. And then um, the referee boys whistled, but and Joke I think f- thought it was it was time up, you know, and he got up and he just sort of collapsed and we grabbed him, you know, and uh, the doc took him in right away and and he always kept saying me at the end of the game, you know, make sure that we, we make sure you, you keep a dignity, you must keep your dignity. And acknowledge the fans, and uh, so then the game I kept the players on the pitch until we knew exactly what was happening. So they said he's all right. They told me he's all right. So we come back and we congratulate the players, and and we think he's all right. And I says right, I better go and see how he is. And I went out and Graham Soonis was standing along outside the medical room. It's a funny thing; they did everything you know you could do. You needed for um, heart attacks, they had defibrillators, and everything in the medical room at Cardiff. It was one of the few in, in Britain that had all these things, but still didn't help and still wasn't able to save him. But, and Groom saying was just crying. And I says, what is this? I think the big man's gone. I said, oh my God. So Ernie Walker came out with Dave Will and they were went in a wee group with, with the doc and, and I went across, I says, um, and Ernie was, was very he was upset, and I can understand that, you know. And, and I says, but what, what about Jane? We need to tell Jane. He says, okay, oh, says, will you do that? I says, okay. And I said, oh, my God, what am I going to say? So I went into their office, and and I kept ringing. And there was no answer. So I knew Jack Flynn next. What you know, one of Jock's friends lived in the next block actually, to Jock and Jane. I phoned him. He says, I've gone to the bingo. Him and his wife Leila. He said, I'll, I'll get down there right away. And of course, by that time, it was about half an hour, three quarters an hour later before we got back to him and had to tell him, you know. But when Jean got back from Vingo, um, 
Joe's daughter was waiting, and she knew she 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 knew there was something wrong, and they'd videoed it. You see, they'd videoed the game, so it was a bad time for them. It was a, it must have been a terrible time. Jock is quoted as saying, "We all end up yesterday's men in this business. You're very quickly forgotten." But I don't think he believed this. I think he knew, if not at the start of his career as a coach, definitely by the middle of it, that he was leaving a legacy, not just for Celtic Football Club, but also with the players who he had led. The most pleasure any manager can get is seeing everyday boys joining the club as youngsters and growing into men and giving themselves a better social standing than they could ever have dreamed of previously. As his captain Billy McNeil said, he gave me my dreams. Jock helped a football club and a community lift their vision and dream with a deeper sense of possibility. The Glasgow Evening Times on the 28th of May 1965 said as much. Quote, Everyone agreed that his drive, enthusiasm and sense of humour have transformed Scotland. End quote. He also helped change views on the role that religion played in society. He was, after all, a Protestant and a Ranger supporter who became the greatest Celtic manager of all time. And to close, here is the present Celtic manager, the Australian Ange Postacoglu, talking about the legacy that Jock has left. I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's difficult to follow the example, but you'll never... You know, you'll never follow his path. I mean, he's, you know, he's an immortal at the club. He's, he's not just at this football club, but in terms of his standing as a manager in world football, I don't think anyone, you know, if you, if you, if you're coming in here, um, trying to emulate his feats, I think you'll fall short because it's not just about the achievements. It's about, you know, his impact uh, on a football club. And he's one of these rare individuals who I don't think anyone can ever compare to. Um, but for sort of, I guess, myself and people who, who come into this position, we have some really strong values to uphold. That's where our responsibility lies about the way the team plays, the way that the team conducts itself, um, you know, the, the, the way the team, um, you know, responds to its, its supporter base, its fans, the people who are the most important. All these things, I think, were established um, a long time ago by people like, you know, Jockstein and, and you know, for, like I said, for people like me coming through, it's about then making sure that we uphold those values. That's our responsibility. The success, you know, that we have along the way um, adds to the story of this football club. Um, but you know, there's no doubt that um, you know he's he's he will always be the greatest of, of football managers at this football club for as long as this football club exists. Hi everyone, it's Jim here. You've been listening to the Great Coach. Jock Steen. I hope you've enjoyed our recreated interview with Jock about his coaching and leadership style and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. Some of the other key ideas that resonated with me were his passionate focus on the experience for the fans and how he urged his team to deliver an entertaining game for them. The way he talked about non-religious views of people in a time when there was great trouble along sectarian lines. The way he wanted to change the role of a football manager and the very culture of the club by having the power of team selection taken away from the board and given to him. 
and the proud legacy that he has left that is still felt today at Celtic. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Laura Brand, who said, We are huge fans of your podcast, which is full of inspiration from so many incredible, limitless leaders in sport. Gosh, thank you so much, Laura. We love the interaction with people around the world who listen. And so if you have any feedback or any comments, then please let us know. And if they're positive ones, then please let your friends know too. All the details on how you can connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.